Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Acts. The New Testament book of Acts in chapter number 25. The New Testament book of Acts in chapter 25. We've been traveling with the Apostle Paul for quite a while now and he made a return trip to Jerusalem. As he was at Jerusalem, he was falsely accused that he had brought a Gentile into the Jewish temple grounds, which was not true, but it was enough to cause a riot. While the Apostle Paul uh, was outside, the riot came into the temple grounds, grabbed him, pulled him outside, and started to commence beating him. And they would have beat him to death if it was not for the Roman soldiers who came and rescued him. The Roman soldiers rescued him and they arrested him. They didn't know what he did, but he must have done something bad. And so they brought him um, to the prison in Jerusalem. Meanwhile, he had been put on a trial to the Sanhedrin, the ruling council of the Jewish people. And, and um, that didn't work out. They didn't come to a resolution. So in the middle of the night, what had happened is that 40 people, 40 Jewish people decided they came up with a plan. They came up with a conspiracy that they were going to kill the Apostle Paul. And they were so determined to kill the Apostle Paul that they made a vow that they would not eat nor drink until the Apostle Paul was dead. Well, word of this got to the head of the Roman soldiers. And in order to protect his prisoner, he decided that in the middle of the night, he was going to transport the Apostle Paul north to Caesarea, the seat of the Roman government inside of the, the Jewish uh, Judea area. And so there he was kept by a man by the name of Felix. And Felix talked with him and uh, said, I want to hear more about Christianity. And the Apostle Paul took time to reason with Felix about righteousness, about temperance, and about judgment to come. And Felix trembled, but he did not accept Christ as his Savior. He said, I'll call in a more convenient season, not right now. And he put it off. And what happened? For two years, the Apostle Paul was kept into prison. During that time, Felix would ask him more and more. And he was hoping that one of these visits that the Apostle Paul would get the hint and give him some money. And he wouldn't let Apostle Paul go. He would have let him go. There was nothing to hold him on. Felix knew he was innocent, but he just wanted the money. Paul, just give me the money and I'll let you go. It's not that hard. But Paul did not. So now we come up to chapter 25 and we can see that there's a change in the political landscape. And so if you don't mind, look with me in the book of Acts in chapter 25 and notice with me starting at verse 1. Acts 25 and verse 1, the word of God says this. Now when Festus was come into the province after three days, he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him. And desired favor against him that he would send for him to Jerusalem, lying wait in the way to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself would depart shortly thither. 
Let them therefore, he said he, which are among you are able, go down with me and accuse this man, if there be any wickedness in him. And when he had tarried among them more than ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem, and there be judged of these things before me? Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender, or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar." Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar thou shalt go. And after certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea to salute Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, There's a certain man left in bonds by Felix, about whom... I was at Jerusalem to chief priest and elders of the Jews informed me desiring to have judgment against him to whom I answered. It is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die before that which he is accused have the accusers face to face and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. Therefore, when they come hither, without any delay on the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth, against whom, when the accuser stood up, they brought none accusation of such things, I supposed, but had certain questions against him of their own superstition and of one Jesus which is, was dead, who Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I doubted of such manner of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judged of these matters. But when Paul had appealed to be reserved under the hearing of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I might send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said unto Festus, I would also hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, thou shall hear him. And if you don't mind, as we come to this passage, not marking something in this passage because it's more of a narrative, but I want to pose a question that poor Festus had. And the question is, what do you do with a problem like Paul? What do you do with a problem like Paul? And this is something he has to solve within this text here. What do you do with a problem like Paul? And if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you for the great day that we've had so far in Sunday school and this morning. Thank you for being here in our presence. Thank you for being in our midst. And we're asking that you would show up once again. That you would make the text clear. That you would give us an understanding of the events that occur. Lord, that you would illuminate ourselves. And that you would apply this to ourselves as well. Once again, I don't even trust my own, no, my, my skill, not my intellect, not my ability. Lord, I recognize I need you. 
And in order for your work to be done, you have to do it yourself. So the best I know how, I surrender my mind, my thoughts, my goals, my ambitions, my desires. And I give them to you and that you just do your own work tonight. That you would open up your Bible in a special way. Make it come alive. Let us get a good understanding of what's going on. And then that you would apply it to our own hearts. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What do you do with a problem like Paul? Sounds like a musical song, doesn't it? What do you do with a problem like Paul? Paul has been a problem for a lot of people for a long time. But now when he hasn't done anything wrong, when the Apostle Paul is righteous in his dealings, I'm not saying that he's not a sinner, but he's been righteous in all of his dealings, whether it was the Jews, whether dealing with the temple, whether dealing with the Roman Empire, he's always been righteous and there's nothing to accuse him on. But people want to accuse him. They don't want him on the streets. They don't want him free. They want him gone. But the law's on his side. More importantly, the Lord's on his side. And God still has plans for the Apostle Paul. As we examine this, we've got some narrative to cover. The first thing I'd like to show you is Festus's tour of Jerusalem. Festus's tour of Jerusalem. Now, we've already reminded you that Felix had put the Apostle Paul in jail for two years. And he knew that the Apostle Paul was innocent, but he let the Apostle Paul rot there, uh, just trying to uh, do the Jewish people a favor, trying to keep the peace, trying to uh, get a handout. If Paul would just pay him, he would have let him go. But now a new Roman governor has taken over. And if uh, I could remind you of Roman history and Jewish history, Jewish history was uh, to be a Roman governor of the Jewish province was one of the worst assignments you could ever get. That the land was beautiful, but the people were very troublesome. You see, because of the dealings of Herod the Great and some of the other people, the Jewish people did not have to worship Caesar as a god. They were allowed to worship Jehovah God. They were allowed to worship in the temple. They didn't have to make sacrifices. Also, the Jewish people was never conquered by the Roman Empire, but they were betrayed and they were kind of sold uh, into the Roman Empire as a whole. And the Jewish people resented it quite a bit. And so every year during Passover, when you had all the Jewish people gathered up, that what happened is that people would stir them up and there would be almost insurrections. There was people who were, who were ready to assassinate any uh, Jewish person who worked with the Roman government, any collaborators, any, um, anybody who would be in the way. They, they were ready to kill them. And so it was always a troublesome time. And during the time of Felix's reign, the Jewish people had been stirred up even more. And there had been rebellions, there had been insurrections. So Felix was recalled. The Roman government said, enough with you. If you can't rule this place, we'll find someone who can. And so the next up was Festus. Festus, let's see how you could do with those troublesome Jews. Now, they were hoping that Festus would be able to deal with them a little bit better because Festus had no Jewish background at all. He was not Jewish. He wasn't married to a Jewish person. He was a Roman person with a Roman culture, with a Roman mindset set in this province here. And then maybe he wouldn't be so sympathetic. Maybe he could stop the insurrections. Maybe he could stop the rebellions. So as soon as he gets into office, he, he stays at Caesarea, uh, makes sure his office is in order. And then let's go ahead and take a tour 
of the land here. Let's go ahead and see what the people are like. So what he does is he goes from his uh, office, his headquarters in Caesarea, and he goes to Jerusalem where the Jewish people dwell at. And let's pick it up once again in chapter 25 and verse 1. Now, when Festus was come into the province, after three days, he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him. So what happened is that he's going on a tour. He's checking out the land. He's trying to see where everything is. And as soon as he gets there, the high priest and the chief Jewish people meet Festus and say, Great Festus, we're so glad you're here. You're a man who can get something done. You're a man who knows what he's doing. We like that. And so we've got a small request from you. You've got a guy in your jail cell named Paul. And he's a troublemaker. And we were wondering, you know, if we could take him off your hands. You go ahead and bring him back to Jerusalem. We'll try him in court. And we'll make sure he gets a fair hearing. But, you know, you don't need to deal with this. You've got other things to deal with. You bring a Paul to us and we'll make sure that we take care of him. Well, that sounds like a reasonable request. Especially since there's been riots and everything going on. Notice verse 3. And desired favor against him. That he would send for him so that that Festus would say, all right, you can go ahead and take Apostle Paul. Go ahead and uh, bring him by. That he would send for him to Jerusalem, lying in the way to kill him. So what this means is that what they wanted is that for Festus to say, all right, I'll go send some soldiers. Go bring Paul down and then you guys can have him. And what was happening is that there was a bunch of people waiting. So as soon as Paul came down, they were going to hijack people and they were going to kill him. I wonder how many of those 40 people are still hungry after two years. Once again, they got people waiting. If Paul comes down, we're going to just ambush this whole thing. We're going to kill him. We're not even going to get him to trial. We're going to get him on, his, on the transport home. But Festus had other plans. Notice verse 4. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself would depart shortly thither. Let them, therefore, said he, which are among you, are able, go down with me and accuse this man, if there be any wickedness in him. So Festus turned things around and said, no, 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 no. I'm curious. You guys are really adamant about getting this Paul guy. I don't know who this is. So why don't, when I get back to my office, you guys come up and we'll have a trial and I'll sit on it. and I'll, I'll see what you guys are talking about. Well, there goes that plan. So what happens? Verse 6, and when he had tarried among them more than 10 days, he went down to Caesarea and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. So we see Festus, he goes, <coughs> he goes down, they, they besought him. We got one thing for you. We want this Apostle Paul guy. Well, and they really want him for a reason. They keep being adamant about it. They, they're really pressing me. I need to investigate this myself. So, all right, guys, you come down and we'll have a trial. So he gets back the next day. They're already there waiting for him. Let's get the trial begin. The next thing I'd like to show you, not only uh, did we see in this narrative in Acts chapter 25, we see Festus's tour of Jerusalem, but we see Paul's unexpected response. Paul's unre unexpected response. Notice as the trial picks up, if you don't mind, in verse <coughs> number seven. 
And when he was come, that's Paul, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. So what happens is that Festus has a big crowd of Jewish people. And they say, oh yeah, this is what Paul did. And Paul did this, and it seemed like it was getting worse and worse. Next thing you know, he's talking about how Paul killed their kids and did this. And they made up all kinds of things. But they couldn't prove a single thing. This is starting to get wild accusations that you're going, oh really? You know, I don't want to be facetious, start throwing things on the air. But you could use your imagination. They're just starting to throw abnormal, weird stuff that just wouldn't even be, you know, my cow died because of Paul's preaching, you know, the silly stuff, the things that you, what in the world are you thinking about? And so they laid all these charges and they're getting more ridiculous and they're getting all kinds of grievous, hurtful things that Paul supposedly did. Notice as it goes on in verse eight, and while he, Paul answered for himself, Neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar have I offended anything at all. So Paul says, hey, I didn't do anything wrong against the Jews. I didn't do anything wrong against the temple. I didn't do anything against the Roman Empire. I am innocent. Verse number nine. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul. Now, you could translate this. They want, he was playing the political game. Now remember, to, to give credit to Festus, he's adopting a province that's already been troublesome. And you could almost imagine the thing here is a visor saying, if you don't do anything about Paul, if you let him go, they're going to riot in the streets. They're going to go ahead and have big protests. They're going to... Uh, go break into the stores and then what you get there for a couple days and after being there for two weeks there's a big ride on your hand how's that going to look to the caesar how's that going to look to augustus how's that going to look to the boss well he's in a tough spot isn't he so here here's a guy that he listened to listen to all of these accusations and so he suspects this guy's innocent but he can't let him go because riots will be on the street man that's a bad situation to be in So what does he do? He comes up with an idea. Verse number nine. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go down to Jerusalem and there be judged of these things before me? So Festus said, Here, how about this? We go to Jerusalem and you guys put on your own trial and I'll be there just to make sure that everything's kosher. How about that? Paul, would you agree to that? Well, Paul has been sitting in a jail cell for two years. The last Roman governor has said, you're innocent, but I'm not going to let you go until you pay me money. All right. Two years of that, you'd probably get tired of it, too. So you get a brand new Roman governor that you don't know anything about. And the first thing he wants to do is sell you downstream in order to make people happy. Paul can see where this is going, and it is not a good place. So what he did is he did his right as a Roman citizen in verse number 10. Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I've done no wrong as thou very well knowest. If I, and for if I be a offender or have committed anything worthwhile of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things of whereof these accuse me, let no man deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. 
Now, under Roman law, because he's a Roman citizen, that they have a right that if they feel like the lower courts cannot handle it, he can appeal directly to the Caesar, to the Roman emperor, and the Roman emperor can hear his case, and the Roman emperor would decide. Now, that's his right as a Roman citizen. Remember, Paul is not just a regular guy off the street. He is a Roman citizen, and he has certain rights that are not available to many people. And he says, that's it. Forget it. We're not playing this anymore. I appeal to Caesar. Now, that's his right. But now the problem of Festus has now compounded. Because not only does Paul have the right to appeal and go to court, but any authority that sends a frivolous uh, court thing to Caesar He's worthy to be punished himself. So basically, if Festus sends Paul and he's just wasting Caesar's time, Festus can actually be executed for sending a bad case up to him. Well, Festus' day just got worse. Now he can't let Paul go because there's going to be riots. Paul refuses to go to a lower court, which is his, his right Festus knows that he is innocent, but now Paul is publicly, before everyone says, send me to Caesar. Send me to the Roman emperor. Now, the Roman emperor is Nero, but Nero hasn't gone crazy yet. So Paul is still hoping that he would get a, a sound hearing from Nero. So Paul says, send me to Nero. I'll stand before him and let him judge. Now, Festus says, this isn't what I planned. My day just got worse. I've only been in office two weeks. Now my choice is to let Paul go and let them riot and I get in trouble. Or I send Paul to Caesar for no reason and I get in trouble. Yay me. Poor Festus. What do you do with a problem like Paul? Festus can't win. Politics has got him surrounded. The poor guy has got put in a position between the Jewish people and Paul and he's stuck in the middle. And no matter what he does, he's in trouble. What do you do with a problem like Paul? Well, he gets to his counselors in verse number 12. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Has thou appealed to Caesar? Unto Caesar thou shalt go. What, what Festus did is he went to his counselors and said, Can he do that? <laughs> what can I do? Can I stop him? What can I do? And they said, Man, if you let him go. The Jews are going to riot. Well, I can't have that. I meant, is there any other way around this? Can we, can we do another court? Can we do something else? What can we do? You're stuck. He went to Caesar. By law, you got to send him or you're in trouble. Oh, man. He went to his counselors, tried to figure out what's going on. Finally, he said, all right, you want to go to Caesar? Off you go. That's what's going to happen. Now, what Festus has to do is that he has to send the court case to Caesar, but he has to write a letter to Caesar explaining why he could not take care of the matter himself and why he took this case to Caesar so Caesar's great wisdom could judge this matter. Would you like to write that letter? Man, he just had a couple days in office and he's got to write a letter to Nero. I got to write this letter. What do I do with Paul? What do I do how do I answer? I mean, man, two weeks in the office and that's what he's got to put up with. Man, not a good place to be. So we come to the third thing, Festus's legal problem. Festus's legal problem. 
Well, Festus had simply tried to play politics and it bit him. Here's an innocent man that he was trying to sell down river just to get his rule and reign to go smoothly. Just to get something to make the Jewish people settle down, to stop rioting. Now he's in lots of trouble. Under Roman law, there's no other option. He has to send a letter. So what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Can you imagine he's got some sleepless nights going on right now? What am I going to do? I'm going to keep Paul in prison until I write this letter. I've got to send him up. What am I going to do? Notice with me in verse number 14. And when they had been there many days. So many days Festus is like, what do I do? How do I handle this? I don't know how to write this letter. I don't even know what he's being accused of. I don't even understand their law. After he'd been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, there's a, uh, sorry, verse 13, I forgot that verse, let's catch that. After certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice, by the way, this is uh, King Agrippa II, who is going to be uh, Herod's great-grandson, and Bernice, who happens to be a sister, who is also Herod the Great's great-granddaughter. So, both of them are married, brother and sister, yay, Herod family. And they came to Caesarea to salute Festus. So they came down and say, hey, you're the new Roman governor. Hey, how's the office treating you? How are things going? And Festus says, I'm so glad you're here. I've got a problem. Maybe you can help me out. Verse number 14. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, there's a certain man left in bonds by Felix. Basically, Felix left me his problems. He didn't deal with this. And the first thing I have to deal with is his Paul problem. I don't know what to do with this guy. Verse 15. About whom I was at Jerusalem, the chief priest and elders of the Jews informed me, desiring to have judgment against him. To whom I answered, it is not the manner of Romans to deliver any man to die. Before that which is accused to have the accusers face to face and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. Now, once again, here's another legal problem. Because Paul was a Roman citizen, he can't he couldn't just turn them over without a proper trial. A Roman citizen is able by law to face his accusers and to stand up for himself. So he had to have a court thing going. He couldn't just turn Paul over to die. Therefore, verse 17, when they come hither without any delay on the morrow, I stood in the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth against whom when the accusers stood up, they brought none accusation of such things, I supposed. They figured that they would blame Paul for uh, putting the insurrection. They figured they would blame Paul for... Um, for causing the mutinies and to cause everything else. But when they said, you know this Paul guy, he believes in Jesus. Festus is like, who? <laughs> what? Yeah, this Jesus guy. Jesus was a, a, built a following and then he died up on the cross. We put him to death. But this guy over here, he says he's alive. And Festus is saying, what? Why is he in prison? I don't understand what's going on. Poor Festus, he's stuck. So he's explaining this to Grip. I've heard about this, Jesus. I don't know what's going on. Uh, notice verse 19. But had certain questions against him of their own superstition and of one Jesus whom was dead, who Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I doubted such manner of questions, I asked him if he would go to Jerusalem and there be judged in these matters. But when Paul had appealed to be reserved to the hearing of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I might send him to Caesar. So basically he's recounting what happened to Agrippa. He says, man, I didn't, didn't expect this. He said, let me go to Nero. And he says, 
now I'm stuck. I've got to go to Nero. What do I tell him? I, I don't even understand this Jewish tradition. I don't understand this followers of Christ, the followers of the... I don't understand what they're so mad about. And why they're so, I don't. So help me out. What do I tell him? And Agrippa says, man, I've heard about this, Paul. I want to go talk to him. Verse 22. Then Agrippa said unto Festus, I would also hear the man myself. And then, so what um, Festus said, tomorrow, he said, thou shalt hear him. You know, he was in a hurry. Man, you go ahead and you hear Paul. Maybe you can straighten this out. Figure out what's going on. And so what we have here is Festus with the idea, what do I do with a problem like Paul? What do I do? How do I write this letter? I want you to think for a second and put yourself in Festus' shoes. You don't understand Jewish tradition. This is the first time you've heard about Jesus. You know that they're having a squabble, but he's done nothing against the law. Nothing that you could discern. You just know that they really hate Paul and they want to kill him. You could tell in their eyes they want to kill Paul. But as far as you could tell, this Roman citizen could do nothing. You put on a trial. You try to make, pay politics. You try to make everyone happy. And you made nobody happy. Now he has to write a letter to Caesar. He has to write a letter to Nero, the most powerful man in the Roman government. And he knows that if he lets Paul go, there's going to be riots. If he writes this letter, he has to make it good to explain to Nero why he's wasting his time, why it's worthy of Nero's. Again, think about how hard it is to write this letter. Now I want you to think, how hard will it be when he stands before God and explains why he kept Paul in prison, why he didn't let him go? How would you explain that to God? God, I heard that he believed in Jesus. I heard him explain the gospel, but I kept him in prison anyways because I didn't want people to be mad at me. How do you think that would go? Now, let me turn the coin a little bit. Remember that pet sin that you have? I want you to imagine that that pet sin that you've kept secret. I want you to imagine that you have to go to your mother and explain why you keep doing that sin. What would you tell her? How would you explain how you justify to keep doing that same sin over and over and over? Let's turn it a little bit more. One day you'll stand before God and you'll give an account. How are you going to explain to him why you keep doing that sin over and over and over? How do you justify yourself? You know that sin's wrong and you could play excuses in your mind all you want. In fact, you do. You know, the reason why I watch this is because of this. It's all right. It's not all right. And you couldn't explain it to your mother and get away with it. And you're not going to explain it to God and get away with it. You may think that little sin is harmless that you keep doing. But it is not. And one day you'll stand before God and give an account. Poor Festus, he had to write a letter. What about if you took time to write a letter to explain to God, to Caesar... To your pastor, why you keep doing that sin you know you shouldn't do. How hard would it be to write that letter? To be honest about it? To justify it? I want you to imagine that you're going home tonight 
And I don't have to name sins. You know what you're guilty of. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to help you. I'm leading you to a place. But we could self-justify all we want in our minds. But imagine you have to write a letter to your pastor to explain why you keep doing that sin. Let's start simple. Pastor, the reason why I don't read my Bible is because of this. Do you think you could write a letter to really justify yourself? Pastor, the reason why I don't pray as I ought is because of this. Pastor, the reason why I don't memorize scripture is this. Pastor, the reason why I keep drinking is because of this. Pastor, the reason why I watch that filthy stuff on the internet is because of this. How would you like to write that letter? I don't think I'm having any volunteers that say, you know, Pastor, I can't wait to do that tonight. But remember, when it's all said and done, you will not answer to your pastor. You will not answer to your parents per se. But you will stand before God and you will give an account for your life. What kind of justification can you give when God says, don't do that? Well, the reason why I did it is because of this and I should get away with it. You're not going to be able to build an argument. So let's take it a further what would be Festus's best course of action in the light of God? It'd be easier instead of sending him to Caesar to say, all right, Paul, go ahead and go. I'm just going to hold out for whatever consequences happen, but I'm going to do what's right and I'm going to let you go. That would have been the best course of action, but he did not take that. He came up with a way to write the letter and he did send him to Caesar. You know, instead of you trying to write a letter to pastor or to your parents your mother to try to explain why you keep sinning, wouldn't it be easier to stop sinning? Instead of just justifying why you keep doing that one thing, wouldn't it be better to say, God, help me to stop. Help me just to let it go. And I know that there may be consequences. I know that if people find out, but it's much better to say, forgive me and help me to stop rather than to get caught and then have to justify yourself. And the reason why I could say that is because we've all been there. We've all been caught doing something. And we all had to come up with the excuses and justify. And for the most part, didn't, didn't they not work? If you're not going to be able to explain it to a human authority, how are you going to explain it to God? It would be much better to confess your sin and he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad that God did leave us a way out? He left us a means of escape. That if we went to Jesus and say, Jesus, I have a problem. Let's scratch that word problem. Jesus, I have sin in my life. Help me to deal with it. Help me to conquer it. Give me victory over this sin. It would be much easier to confess your sin and ask God for help than to face God and explain why you kept doing that sin. Does it make sense? So as we come to Festus's problem, what do I do with a problem like Paul? Let's bring it to you. What do I do about my sin problem? Your two choices at this juncture is to confess your sin 
and ask God to help you get victory over that sin or find some way to keep justifying your actions time and time again, but yet they will still not stand up before God. What is the best choice? I didn't say what's the easiest choice, but what is the best choice? The best choice is to confess your sin and to get thoroughly right with God and ask him to help you get victory in your life. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.